Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Oh, Rush Nation, before we get into today's show, here's a word from this week's partner. Hi again, it's Renee. And I'm Simon, and together we are writing a very British guide to... American football, in which we explain to all your befuddled friends and family what's all the fuss about. You might be interested to know that we've been very busy working on the book in the States the last couple of weeks. We're really excited about the progress we've made. We've conducted several interviews, including one with a former NFL player who's played in three Super Bowls. We've also gathered tons of fun facts about marching bands, cheerleaders, mascots, and other quirky things that make the game awesome. And of course, we will include all the information you need to be able to enjoy the game, all presented in a very British way. So visit our website at verybritishguide.co.uk, find us on Twitter at VeryBritishNFL, or Facebook.com slash VeryBritishNFL. Phones to silent, doors to cross-check, hold on to your hats. This is Five Yard Rush, your fantasy football podcast, with your hosts, Stocks, Sparky, Murph and Nick. Oh, Rush Nation, this Thursday show, welcome back. And there's not just two of us today, we are three ball, rolling deep, joined by Richard King. Rich, how are you? I'm very good, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for joining us, thanks for coming on, appreciate it as always. And then Big Man Murph, how are you? I'm all good, mate. Do you know, uh, Rich is the first... Uh, well, he's now the only guest we've had on twice that isn't a full-time host. Well, there's only two full-time hosts, me and you. Well, oh, okay. But I meant like hosts of the podcast as in well, Nick. Yeah, well, Nick has guested twice and then I guested a couple of times before you this is true. gave me a promotion. So, Rich, maybe you're in line to be uh, our fifth uh, fifth host. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is do I get some type of a badge or something? Well, funny you should say that. Yeah. If you leave us a review on iTunes... Uh, and take a screenshot and at us on Twitter, I'll send you a Rush Nation badge you can sew on your, on whatever you want. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There's only 25 of these currently. Yeah, there is. Only 25. So get them while they're hot. Okay. So yeah. well, well, not just thanks. you. Sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah. Rich, you got the inside track um, to get there before everybody else. So, yeah. Right. So, so why are we here? Well, we're here is because it's the first annual Rushy Awards. Woo. And... I want to say that these are huge topics named like the film's Oscars, but we, we came up with them ourselves between the three of us, and we feel they're all valid fantasy awards that we should give out. Yeah, there's some obviously very critical ones. We look at some positions and award our 
position of the year and we have a team of the year and um, some really prestigious ones. And we also left it out to Rush Nation to decide some of the key awards, such as the uh, Fantasy Player of the Year and a couple of the postseason awards that we'll get to. And then each of us, uh, including Rich, have got uh, a couple of awards that we have been creative with to give to players out there. So they're very prestigious. They're first annual, so no one has ever won these before. So any player that wins one, we should tweet them and let them know because not many people get these. So I guess we should uh, go into it. Professional players love it when you tweet them. Yeah, exactly. Why not? Yeah, I mean, we might as well start with the most relevant and important position of fantasy football, and that's tight end. No, I'm joking. Let's start at the quarterback. <laughs> I was going to say, we need another tight end debate. Have yeah. you published your article, Rich, for, for people to listen to, or to read, even? Because this is going to be a definite, like, I'm going to die on this hill kind of thing. I'm trying to make sure I've got as many stats as I can to back myself up. So I'm still kind of working. I'm actually looking for um, a stat um, as to whether a tight end blocked or ran, ran a route. That's what I'm. That's what I'm kind of looking for at the moment because I, I've been looking at it in every which way, and I think actually what you, what you say is those. We'll, we'll, let's talk about it when we get to the fancy tight end of the year. Let's let's, let's let's you know let's, let's tease it. Yeah. Okay. okay. I like well, it. We briefly mentioned quarterback, and that's where we'll return to. So the award for fantasy quarterback of the year. Now the nominees are Mahomes, Roethlisberger, Ryan, Luck. They were the four we came up with. Yeah, I felt that we picked the top four ranking quarterbacks in terms of fantasy numbers this year. So how the awards work is each one of us put a put together a vote, and then between that, that decided who uh, won the award. And if there was any particular ties, then we used stats to determine what the winner was. In the end, it turned out that didn't need to be the case. Yeah, no, it was unanimous, and we all had Patrick Mahomes as our winner. Hey, so uh, Patrick Mahomes didn't get a lifetime supply catch-up, but he did win the five-yard rush, rushy for fantasy quarterback of the year, which I'd argue is better. Yeah, I don't like ketchup, so I'm taking the rushy all day, every day. <laughs> wow, so, hot takes on this podcast. <laughs> we're, we're all about the hot takes, all about the hot takes. So, Kenny, why don't you do wide receiver of the year? So wide receiver was Tyreek the Freak, uh, Hopkins, Devante Adams, or Antonio Brown. I think originally this morning we had, uh, we had a three-way tie. Yeah. But um, because I'm just an insistent guy, uh, we ended up on deciding that Devontae Adams was the ultimate winner. Mainly because <clears throat> it's so tight with those those top guys. So the three-way tie was Hopkins, Hill and Adams. And my argument was Adams should win it because of all of those guys, he's been the most consistent. You know, He's not really ever had a really dud game. I think you know, those, those touchdowns, they're, they're, they were great for you. So... Yeah, deserved winner. Yeah, so I, I was the one that changed my vote here. So it was Hopkins and your stats kind of teeped me over the edge. I was leaning towards one of the two anyway. So it wasn't a huge like move away. But when we looked at the, you presented me a few stats in terms of uh, consistency numbers, that kind of swayed me a little bit more. But they were very close between the two. So uh, people here listening thinking, why have you changed from Hopkins? I, I, I get it. Hopkins is an elite wide receiver. And, and I think that at the end of the day, it, it, he could have been thrown in here. And, you know, part of this is that the wide receiver position, I think, is closer than it ever has been in terms of the talent there. So I, I want to make a substitution. Okay. I want to swap Tyreek Hill as my, as my fantasy receiver of the year and change to Adams as well to make it a, a full house. This is purely on the reasoning that I had a water bet with a guy in a dynasty league. And I bet that Devontae Adams wouldn't go over a thousand yards and he comprehensively went over a thousand yards. So I paid up my water bet. It's on Twitter and there's a video of me getting absolutely drowned. So yeah, so purely on that, I'm going for Adams as well. And like you boys said, he's pretty good. Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's a worthy winner. Um, again, I would stress that uh, the wide receiver position is very tight, but yeah, I think uh, Adams is a worthy winner. So I will cover off the fantasy running back of the year. Now, just to give you some insight, we sort of looked at these numbers on uh, half-point PPR. And uh, the reason we did that is because people play standard, people play half-point, people play full-point. We kind of just stuck it in the, in the middle. Just to, Otherwise, we could have ended up with about 50 awards and it just sort of would have got a bit silly there. So we just decided to go down the middle. The nominees were Todd Gurley, uh, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and Ezekiel Elliott. 
I was the only one that listed one running back <laughs> as my winner. You both decided that you were going to list two because... Because we can. Because, that, yeah, because apparently we're giving awards just away for fun. These aren't... So, like, so no, my reason was, and I, I think I explained to you at the time, was I was like, like, Gurley has to be the running back of the year. But if we're taking ADP into position, into account, then I'd say CMC because he was second round, maybe third round, like depending on, on your league. Whereas Gurley was a nailed on like first or second pick. So yeah. I feel as though Gurley had a great year, but you kind of expected that was baked into his draft position. That was my, that was my reasoning. Yeah, I, I, I get it. And then I, I just became a trendsetter. And then. <laughs> so I, I just went with, uh, with Gurley straight up. I think he's had a phenomenal year uh, yet again. He's in consideration for the MVP voting. I don't think he wins, but to be in the consideration as a running back, I think is, uh, is phenomenal. So, uh, fair play to Gurley. He is a very worthy uh, winner of Fantasy Running Back of the Year. I didn't get to say. Okay. I didn't get to mention Barkley and his phenomenal rookie season. Yeah, he was overdrafted. Yeah, that was all. <laughs> well, you never know. That might be important later down the line. Uh, so go on then. Well, Rich, you got this hill. You might Let's go to- right. Let's go fantasy tight end. So the nominations were Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, George Kittle and Eric Ebron. So Kittle is the ultimate winner with me and Murph going for him and Stocks went for Kelsey. Um, I don't know why he went for Kelsey, being as George Kittle is the record holder of receiving yards at the position. Well, no, that's for fact. I can't say no to that. He is the record holder. And he was catching balls off so many different quarterbacks. We were losing counts across the end of the season. Yeah, but I lost in so many semifinals on ESPN because they're stupid two weeks and I got George Kittled in week 14 I think and he'd got something stupid like 40 points and that and that done me so I couldn't vote for him because I got a little bit of hatred for him <laughs> I love how you got your personal endeavour in well, that's what fantasy football is all about <laughs> I mean that's fair but I love the way you're like no I'm not letting him win one of these awards in the off chance that he pays attention to it I want him to know I've personally voted against him well I don't want him to know too much because he, he's my dynasty tight end um... <laughs> right okay you're going to have to forget about it quickly. I love it. I've already forgot. <laughs> um, so, okay, coming on to this then, you, you, you sort of teased the, the listeners. What, what's your thinking here now? I sort of so, leaked a little bit last week on our pod, uh, which prompted the tight end debate on the, on the podcast itself. So come on, let's, let's hear it. Yeah, so, all right. So I want to be quite clear and say, when you're looking at the stats in terms of like the replacement player value, then Travis Kelsey was actually number four on the year. Um, now I understand the argument of the floor was not, you know, the, the tight end ten or twelve, depending on where you know where you're drawing the line, was lower than expected. Um, I wouldn't say I'd, I'd go first round pick with him. I like according to math, you should, but that's based on knowing the scoring of everyone going forward. That's obviously not going to happen. So I think that, yeah. Two, three turn, then Travis. Like, I think you want to take one of those elite tight ends. And the reason why I say that is because actually, one point that you guys, I think you touched on, but didn't really expand on, was the fact that these three tight ends are almost playing two positions in the same way as you have Alvin Kamara, who's running back and wide receiver essentially. You've got these guys as tight ends slash wide receivers. And that's very different from the rest of the guys who have a lot of work in blocking and that's why I'm trying to look for that stat see how many r- routes they ran versus um um versus their uh, route, routes run so those three guys as well of the times that they were on the field and available to play they all commanded over 25% of the targets now that you can't ignore the only other guy who who beat 20% and this is this takes into account injury because this is only at the times when on the field the only guy who only other guy who is in the top, what's this, 20? Actually, you can go even further than that. With over 20% was Jordan Reed. After, after these three guys, you drop off to Eric Ebron at 18%. So what I will say is I think that it's if I'm drafting towards the start, if, if I've got one of the early picks in the draft, then I'm definitely going to be taking a tight end in 2-3 turn. 100%. Uh, I'm all aboard. Uh, I just, I like it too much. I like it too much not to. Like 110% I'm going to do it. But I want to hear your counter-argument now. I don't, I don't have one. <laughs> I, I, like, I get it. 
and I, I even said this on the pod, if you're picking in the third round, I get it. Um, I do get it. Like, I do get it more third round than first round and second round. Um, and especially if you're at the start, I just think that I would like to look at the draft scenario playing out in front of me. And I think if, if people are taking tight ends very early, first, second round, I'm looking at the talent that's going to fall into the third round. And I think that actually, if that's the case, that no tight ends have come off the board, then you can weigh that argument more. If two have come off, or even all three have come off, then I'm holding and I'm going to fill my wide receiver and running back course and pick one later on, maybe at the fifth, sixth, seventh sort of region. Because I'm not, again, I said this before, I'm not convinced on the floor on this year's stats. And I think that there is some great tight ends and there's great tight ends in this class coming in, Noah Fant especially. And I know you can't model rookie tight ends, but we are seeing more dynamic tight ends coming out of college now than we ever have. And I think that position becomes deeper and deeper. And I understand your point that the three are the elite. And I, and I do get that, but I don't think the position is merited by the gap that was generated this season. And that was with some of the stats I published. So I, again, I'm still willing to be convinced. I'm not quite there yet. But in the third round, I'm more likely to get there than I am in the second okay. round. Or the so first. I don't know if you, you're keeping up to date so on my Twitter page, but I'm, I'm doing a really early 2019 mock draft with Roto Bullet guys, right? So I took George Kittle in the third round. Yeah, that's all right. the 304. <clears throat> and I really like my team. I mean, I've got run, my running backs are Barkley and Howard. My receivers are Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup, tight end George Kittle. And this is in a 12, 12 man. So you were picking then. So 304 is the 28. Uh, yeah. I get that. So I, yes. I get that. So this, this, is kind of, this is kind of my sweet spot. So I considered Travis Kelsey. So I would say is, for me, it's Travis Kelsey potentially in the second round. If I don't get Travis Kelsey, yeah, it, Travis Kelsey in the second round only would be the only one I would consider out of those three. Then in the third round, I'm considering all of them, and I probably will take one of them because I think the advantages are actually quite high. Now, I, I know that's my argument I need to kind of put forward. I think the advantage of having one of those guys is, is it's, it's not hugely, hugely significant. It's going to win you a league, but it can be that difference, especially if you're actually in um, a smaller team league. So if you're in like an eight-team league or a 10-team league, then actually I'd, I'd take the argument that you want to take one of these elite guys earlier because the the margins are so small in those leagues in terms of your running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, that if you can get one of those difference makers at one of those positions, that's who's going to win the league, whoever's got like the more elite players, those more elite tiers, sorry. So after that, I'm with you. So I'd probably punt then the position to round seven or eight because after those three have gone, I really think it's it's kind of a wait a waiting game. In the same way as quarterback, it's probably Patrick Mahomes on a tier in himself, uh, and he's probably early round considerate, like three, four kind of round. And then after that, it's going to be a kind of wait until round six, seven for a quarterback, I guess. This this is an argument I think can go on all off season. I think once we know what all the coaching changes are and we understand the schemes a bit more and and where I think we're going to get a better understanding of of what's going to happen. Um, so, like, for example, I was really high and continue to be high on OJ Howard. However, Arians has not got a great history of um, overusing the tight end position as um, targeting it all that much, which makes me think that I would be a bit cooler on Howard now. Obviously, we've got to wait for the off-season, the camps, pre-season to make that determination, but... No, my history, he's one I'm watching because I'd be thinking I might be moving him down my provisional rankings based on that. So I think that's, there's a lot of incompletes that we need to think about, but I'm really looking forward to the article when you, when you publish it. I think, I think as well, you've got, there's almost like, there's almost like a separation of tight ends here as well. You need to think about because there's tight end in the way that we traditionally looked at it. And they're the kind of your players like an OJ Howard who can block effectively. And then you've got your guys like, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, who they're not really known for their blocking, they're known for their downfield ability. And that's what I mean. That's where you've almost got a separation between the two. So I either want one of those receiving you know, types like Kelsey, Kittle, or Ertz, or I'm going to wait and get one of those like hybrid types between the two. Um, I think in a half PPR, it probably the, the separation is, um, is a lot larger than it would be if you're in a standard league. If you're in a standard league, then 
I probably wouldn't take a tight end that early because you're not getting the upside of the receptions. Um, and this position is essentially tight end or uh, touchdown or bust in a lot of weeks, unless you've got one of those elite guys. But then a lot of the uh, plays that they'll get are kind of like, you know, seven yard check downs rather than like a downfield go. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So for listeners of this podcast who have been really intrigued by what you've got to say, when when do you think you're going to release the, the article? Rough um, I know I'm, so I'm, I'm going to be trying to release it next week, I think. That's kind of my plan. Um, if life gets in the way, then it might be a bit later. But I mean, by all means, I'm happy to have a debate. So if people want to reach out to me on Twitter or whatever, then I'm, I'm always you know up for a up for a chat. Um, and I've got numerous stats to bend the argument either way. It just depends on the narrative that you want to put to it. So yeah, definitely. Eighty three percent of Rush Nation said that they would uh, not draft a tight end until uh, pick twenty. So. Um, no one looks like from Rush Nation. You've got a few people out there, but not loads look like they're going to punt it stupid early, which is decent. I think we've all agreed that. So we're getting closer in our argument, which is good. Okay, back to the rushes, I guess. Yeah, those kickers are anticipation is killing them. Let's say uh, that. I'll be honest, my kicker consideration took me all about a second. For these people who say kickers matter in fantasy, like you guys can just like take a long walk off a short cliff. Oh. I disagree. I think kickers are skill position. We, we... Uh, right. So my 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 bone of contention with kickers, right? And I, I'm, I'm pleased I've finally got a platform where I can voice this. <laughs> is, is for me a kicker does matter to your fan to your NFL team, so it should matter to your fantasy team. What I'm upset about is the fact that I think what we should do is we should give give more bonuses to higher completion rates and also kind of normalise field goals. So a field goal is worth three points. I don't know why I'm getting four or five points if it's a longer range. I understand it's more difficult, but you know, you don't get eight points for a touchdown that's over 50 yards. So I don't know why you're getting five points for a kick. Um, and extra points, counting for one, is frustrating because if you've got a player who's, you know, they're just throwing touchdowns, four touchdowns or whatever, you might have four points and he's, done, he's nailed every single one of his kicks versus someone who's on a sucky team, two field goals, and he's just beat out your elite kicker. Okay. I think that's the argument we were saying is there is definitely ways that the scoring is broken. I give you that. Um, I do think there should be some penalisation at the position and more than a point for field goals. I think if you – or add extra points. I think if you miss an extra point, that should be a bigger penalty than missing a field goal because that hurts your team in real life. Therefore, why shouldn't it hurt your fantasy team? And I do agree with you that 50-yard field goals getting five points, I kind of get it. Um, I kind of made the suggestion last year that it should be worth considering uh, because it is harder and it's not that common, but people are knocking 50-yarders in every week. I would maybe consider an extra point if it's 60 yards, given how rare that is, and that's something that should be acknowledged because that's like a bonus. Like, Because at the end of the day, how often do 60-yard field goals get made? Three, if you get a 60-yard field goal, then you should just win the week. <laughs> so like regardless it should be like 10,000 points yeah but I mean it happens so I, I, I think if you're <clears> saying field goals are three or two or whatever you want to do with scoring I think you give an extra point at 60 yards and I think you penalize missed field goals with the exception of you draw a line at where you go yeah we shouldn't penalize the kicker because he's been sent out there to try a worldie so I would never penalize a 60 yard uh, plus field goal attempt for minus points because it's clearly been sent out there for desperation or to try and win the game, knowing it's going to overtime. And it's a unique circumstance that doesn't normally happen. Therefore, why should the kicker get pun- you know, penalised for a low regime? It doesn't really matter if he misses it anyway, because they've already kind of decided that outcome. But I think that's, that's a debate worth having. But I wouldn't say they are irrelevant. I just think they, the scoring is broken. I agree with you on that, and it needs to be reviewed. I mean, so I, I didn't just- say they're irrelevant. I just hate them. <laughs> There's a, there's a key difference there. I, I, I just think it's a, skill, it's a skill position, and I think it's something that you've got to consider when you're setting up your leagues or playing in leagues. If, you, if you're getting to the point where... But I also should think that if you've got an elite kicker, and we haven't given the award out yet, which we're going to, I think you've got to be rewarded in your strategy for having the best kicker in the game. It shouldn't get okay. to the point where it's so normalised. So, so who's the best kicker in the game? So the best kicker this year and the winner of the Rushy is uh, Kiami Fairburn. That's not what 
I asked though. I, I, so I understand the award, but that's not what I asked. I said, who's the best kicker? Because the best kicker is Justin Tucker, right? Well, in terms of form, but in points scored, Fairbairn finished on top. Yeah, but this, this is what I'm saying. This is my, kind of my argument with it. It's like in, in pretty much all of the other positions, you're looking at the best player finishes at the top. In kicker, it seems like it's not that, that's not really the case. And that's my that's my argument. That's why I, I agree with you. Scoring's broken, and that's <clears throat> I think that's that's one thing that I would like to change. Yeah, but Tucker missed more kicks this year than he ever has done before. Yeah, that's because uh, he and, never missed. Well, yeah, but but <laughs> in previous years he's always been number one. But he wasn't this year. Fairbairn made made more kicks, and that that's I you know that's the sheer numbers on it. Is you know you look at you look at his stats every week. He continued to make you know consistently a lot of field goals but yeah I guess that's, that's what we've got to look at with the scoring but you know unanimously this year from a fantasy perspective he was the number one kicker and yeah if you think that's broken then let's fix it let's fix it yeah no, I, you know let's move on to defence um, there was there was no debate here the Bears absolutely smashed it yeah can we just say we gave no we put no other nominee here so you know with the kickers our nominees were Tucker Myers and Lutz we forgot to mention them. Apologies. Don't at us. We did have a short list, but with the fancy defence, there was absolutely no point. <laughs> no, the, but the Bears just railroaded it, basically. Uh, unless you played in a proper defence scoring league in which it wasn't just about points allowed, it was also about interceptions and fumble recoveries and stuff like that. Well, yeah, if, that would have been even bigger because they led the league in takeaways. All right, Jimmy, move on to the next one and I'll find you tell you how it went in my league where scoring wasn't a factor at all. Okay, so this was the really this is the first big award of the night, which is the fantasy MVP. So we opened this up to Twitter, and we had ten nominees, uh, which is Patrick Mahomes, Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill, Nuke Hopkins, uh, Devontae Adams, uh, Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle. And you guys decided that in third place would be Nuke Hopkins with 21% of the vote. Second place was George Kittle with 25% of the vote. And your winner and your rushy winner for the fantasy MVP was Patrick Mahomes with 38% of the vote. I don't think... That doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me given what he's achieved this year. And I think that's a a worthy winner of the award. Although I was surprised with the uh, wide receiver choice, but, you know, a worthy winner all the same. Yeah, I can't agree more. So, Kenny, why don't you announce as our guest, as based on the voting then, we came up with a fantasy team of the year. Fantasy team of the year. Quarterback, obviously, Patrick Mahomes. Running backs, Todd Gurley and Christian CMC. Wide receiver, we had Adams on one side and Tyreek Hill on the other. Tight end, George Kittle. (laughs) Don't boo it. It's right. It's the right decision. Right decision. Yeah. Two flex spots. We had Saquon Barkley and Nuke Hopkins. Kicker, yeah, fair Ben. And <laughs> Bears is our defense, DST. That is a mean, fancy team. <laughs> You'd be looking at that thinking, yeah, that's a, that's a ring in the bag for, for any season, probably. Yeah, but what have you had to give up to get that lot? <laughs> all, your first own, all, your, all your future dynasty picks. <laughs> to, to be fair, that team is very young. So you could give up the next 23 years of dynasty picks and play for the next five and then just quit the league five and oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably have to change your kicker in that time. That is probably it. Yeah, but kickers, well, they matter. <laughs> they do matter. Sorry, Kingy. <laughs> right. So, waiver wire player of the year. Now, there was quite a few people we could have had in contention here. I think this is a hotly contested award. It, it was. It was. I think these next two. You. Uh, so I kind of looked at these two almost. You have to kind of mention the two of them because. In a lot of leagues, these guys were either on the wire or the, your best draft bargain. So the, these two, for me, were like super, super close. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. We did end up with two different uh, consensuses, but I think uh, it's it's fair to pick up uh, each one. There were a lot of nominations and a lot of players could have won this award. Yeah. Well, there was only two people on both lists, and that was George Kittle and James Conner. Yeah. So they could have won oh, Carson. It. Carson was on both. Oh, Carson is on both. Apologies, yeah. So the nominees for the waiver wire player of the year are George Kittle, Philip Lindsay, Tyler Boyd, James Connor, and Chris Carson. Oh, and Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb didn't even get a look in, which I thought was. Uh, Kiggy and I both went with Connor. Murph picked Lindsay, but because it was two to one, James Connor came out on top. 
And as Rich was just saying, he could well have been a draft bargain as well had you have drafted him, depending on when you drafted. Yeah. Uh, and George Kittle as well. He he was on the draft bargain and waiver wire. I mean, I picked him up in quite a few places on the waiver. I think if you drafted him, you were taking a punt at the beginning. So we move on to the draft bargain. So the Rushy nominees for the best draft bargain are Patrick Mahomes, James Connor, Chris Carson, <coughs> excuse me, Peterson. Why can't I? What's his first name? Adrian. Oh, okay. Redskins running back. Yeah. I expected him to... Oh, that's because I'm on the draft. Excuse me. Yeah, Adrian Peterson and George Kittle. Again, Kingy and I were on the same side, taking George Kittle. Murph took Connor. Still a bit sore about our trade on James <laughs> Connor, if I'm honest. But we won't mention that. It's like Voldemort. So the winner of the best draft bargain, Rushy, is George Kittle. I'm not going to boo you, George. Well done, sir. It's Double in the Rushy post. winner now. Double Rushy. Double Rushy. And team of the year. He's in the storming night. He's almost... He's like rushy MVP, isn't he? Well, him and Mahomes. Oh, they've got two and a half each. Yeah. They don't They don't feature again, I don't think. Key, talk us through uh, biggest draft bust. Uh, nominations were LaShawn McCroy, Kenyon Drake, Greg Olsen, Jarek McKinnon, and the ultimate winner, Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Jarek McKinnon, I was a bit unsure on because it depended where you when you drafted because he was either like the biggest bust ever or he just wasn't drafted so i in my in quite a few leagues i was in he wasn't drafted so i didn't opt for him i went for fournette as we all did in fact which i think the biggest headache you have with fournette is that he was never just out or in he was always just like oh he's gonna be back next week he's gonna be back next week he's gonna be back next week and then he just really wasn't yeah, I just I can't draft Fournette in the places where he goes. Just can't. If he fell to the seventh round, I'd consider him. Um, I think before then, I'm probably passing. Um, what? <clears throat> I think it's going to be interesting this season, to see, uh, this off season, to see if he actually stays with the Jags. I don't know if um, if you guys have seen, but with the suspension that he had, essentially the Jags have wriggled out of the guarantees in his contract, so they can just cut him for nothing. Yeah. So that'd be interesting to see where he goes. I think he gets traded more than cut, but either way, I, it doesn't matter to me where he ends up. He could he could end up at the Patriots. He could end up at the Steelers. He could end up anywhere. I'm not touching him before at least the sixth round <laughs> because I cannot. I'm not convinced he plays ten games a season, let alone sixteen. And until he does it for a season, if someone else wants to, if someone else wants to go ahead and and draft him, good luck to them. And if he does it, fair play. But I can't pick a player that isn't going to isn't going to play close to 16 games. And he hasn't proven it to me that he can. Yeah. Do you know why that is? Because his legs are made of noodles. <laughs> Noodle legs. So I get the great honour of announcing the winner for Mr. Irrelevant. Now, there's a Mr. Irrelevant in the draft. It's always the last pick of the draft. However, there is a Mr. Irrelevant in fantasy. And it's the most irrelevant fantasy football player among starters for their teams. Um, the nominees were Ty Montgomery... Garrett Blount, Blake Bortles, Michael Crabtree, and Valdez Scantling. You would have loved it to have been him, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, do you know what? I nearly, nearly went with him. But I always felt there was one person who just deserved it. When, when we thought of the award, that was the person that I had in my mind immediately. And I was like, he has earned this award more than anybody else over the last three years in football, especially <laughs> this year. So, Mr. Boring Blake Bortles, congratulations. You never thought you'd win anything in your life, but you have. You have won the rushy for Mr. Irrelevant. I salute you, sir. Can we back that? If we backdate that three years, so he wins it for the last three years, he's now the overall leading winner of the rushies. Well, he still is. We've had one year and he's won it. Well, he's only he's, won that, but I mean, in total, if we backdate it. Yeah, well, either way. I think LeGarrette Blunt was tough. He stepped in when Kerryon Johnson was there, and he was okay. Yeah, exactly that. I th- listen, all these players, you make some sort of argument for as to why they shouldn't be on the list, but I can't find a, a single argument not to have Blake Bortles uh, on this list. So, uh, hats off to you. Go on then. Over to the, the next two awards, which were put together by um, deciding the winner on uh, Twitter for Rush Nation to Decide. The first one was your uh, rushy winner for King of the Playoffs. Uh, this was the player that was determined to be your ultimate fantasy winner to get you over the line. The nominees were Derek Henry, 
Jamal Williams, CJ Anderson, and Damian Williams. And the winner with a whopping 59% of the vote was Derek Henry. So well-deserved after a mammoth performance in week 14, week 15, and even week 16 was, was very, very good. One of the best all-time uh, playoff performances in fantasy. Rich, with Derek Henry having such a good end to the fantasy season, where do you think he gets drafted next year, considering he was a real early prospect this year? I, I really, now with the Packers having signed Matt LaFleur as their head coach, I want to see who the OC is that comes in, because that's, that's going to really change it. But if, if he was still going to be there, then I'd say third, fourth round. So not much higher than... Just... No, like he, I think he might, he might he might slip a bit, um, depending on the OC that gets brought in. That's yeah, fair. I think that's that. It's it's a big question mark now, isn't it? That <coughs> that's what we're sort of waiting on is who takes that position uh, and what they do with it. Yeah, I mean, if you got I, I, obviously, I wrote I actually wrote a piece on uh, Derek Henry for Roto Baller. So if you haven't seen it, then check my Twitter page and you'll be able to find it or you know find a link to it. Where I actually wrote about, you know, was was that a fluke in week fourteen? And my ultimate conclusion was, no, it really actually wasn't. If you actually look at uh, how he's been playing and his performance throughout the season, he's actually he's supremely talented. He just needs more opportunity, and then they obviously gave him the opportunity in the playoffs, which is why he returned value for you. So hopefully, whoever is the OC that comes in realizes that he's actually talented and gives him the opportunity that he deserves. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. I think he's one to watch. Yeah. So, moving on, it's time for the thanks for killing my playoff hopes, Rushy. Now, we sent this out to Twitter once again, and the names on this list are players who you wouldn't normally associate with killing your playoffs. Todd Gurley, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, Odell Beckham Jr. And of that list, all of them hurt you, but the guys who Twitter and Rush Nation decided was the winner with a whopping 35% was Todd Gurley. This award was really close between those first four names. OBJ was kind of left out. Uh, he was well alone in fifth place. So I don't know if people just naturally were ready for him to be out. Um, but those other four names were only separated by a few votes each. It was really, really close. I feel like the people who owned Todd Gurley should have gone and got CJ Anderson as a handcuff as soon as they signed him. Uh, but the thing is, a lot of people thought that um, Rob Kelly was going to be the handcuff. So, like, yeah. C.J. Anderson, he, he did nothing for Carolina Panthers. He gets signed off the street by, I think, Oakland, and then they cut him. Yep. And then he goes to the L.A. Rams. So, I mean, as a lot of people were just kind of like, oh, he's just like a backup guy. John Kelly's still the handcuff, and then C.J. Anderson came out, and then he went, actually, no, guys, I can actually play really well. Yeah, I, I was one of those John Kelly guys. I played him in the final of my Dynasty League, and... He lost me the... Well, no, he didn't. Everyone did. See, see, I just grabbed both and didn't play either because it was such a late um, a late decision as to who was going to get the job and if Gurley was going to be out. So I, I stashed both so no one else could have them and then went ahead and played the selections I was going to play um, because there wasn't really a lot of choice in those late kickoffs to, to make that decision. I think it was only three or four games. Uh, well, one of them was the Monday night game with uh, Denver and uh, Oakland and, yeah. I wasn't, and I didn't have Lindsay, so I wasn't really touching anything on that so um yeah you know i can see why girl the owners would be annoyed oh no, yeah me too oh. so i would i actually thought cream hunt was going to win that award but uh not to be um so we have each come up with a couple of awards so we'll take it in uh all alternate moves so i guess i'll i'll go first um this person's having a phenomenal night they've already won one rushy <laughs> so the sick note award the award i am giving to the person i can never play as they never report for work is leonard fournette congratulations another jags player uh just i can't draft him as high as he goes because he doesn't play um he doesn't get anywhere near 10 12 games a season so uh, i'm not interested so you sir will always be dear to my heart as the sick note award winner for the rushies I suppose if he always gives up, you can buy some of his legs and use them in a stir fry. <laughs> uh, Rich, you'll go. Okay, so my my award is the Foo Fighters Award, and I was actually thinking about getting the track to play over, um, but then I thought you guys might get sued and probably wouldn't enjoy that. So um, <laughs> this is basically is someone getting the best of you, and um, my my award winner for that is Amari Cooper, who you know he's always been thought of as being supremely talented, just not in a good offense and I think we saw that as soon as he moved to Dallas boom all of a sudden he's he's you know everyone's singing his praises 
everyone wants to own him in Dynasty. I think, um, yeah, moving to the Cowboys is probably one of the best career moves he could have made. So that's my win. Right, my go. So the award for being beaten up more times than when Homer Simpson fights Deredrick Tatum in the Homer They Fall episode of The Simpsons goes to Matt Breda. And that is purely because as soon as he steps onto a football field, he re-aggravates or gets a new injury and then leaves pretty soon after. I think he only had a couple of decent weeks and he's rapidly becoming Noodle Legs 2.0 just because he's always injured. But he always, he's, not, he's not the same though because he plays. That's the thing. Yeah, I can't, yeah. Uh, he, yeah, okay, he plays. But he, then, should, he should actually just change his name to Matt Breda, open brackets, Q, close brackets. <laughs> Yeah, because he's always question mark. There he is. He's always yeah. questionable okay. destination. I, I get the spirit of your award. You're spot on because it is. He just every week he gets absolutely pummeled. But like Homer Simpson, he's always back up. He's never ever out of it. You can't beat the man. He is like he's like titanium man. He's just like well, yeah. He's more like jelly because you hit it and it goes out <laughs> of shape and then comes back. Which, but that's not very sportsmanlike, is it? So. I think he's a worthy winner. I can't think of anyone that takes the punch where he does and comes back every week. I'm looking forward to going last with my next one because I feel like I'm going to have to... I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to back it up. I look forward to it. With this <laughs> so my final award is the I'm breaking up with you for good, Rushy. It's not you. It, or it's not me. It's you and Sean McCoy. So Sean McCoy is a player that when you're getting desperate and you think, you know what, I need to think about drafting a running back now and you've got a leap wide receiver early and you think, I just got into a very difficult spot of drafting a lot in late rounds and was taking the elite uh, best player on the board, wide receiver talent to the point where I needed a, a running back and it was him and, and, and Kerry and Drake uh, or Kenyon Drake even. So I decided to uh, pick McCoy and it, came back to bite me. Um, I know there was always question marks on his um, availability. There was a, pot- a potential suspension, which didn't happen. Um, but I drafted the hand- uh, the uh, handcuff just in case. And uh, he just never did anything. In all 16 weeks, he had one or two 10-point weeks, and that was it. He was absolutely awful all season. And he just... Yeah, I, I don't think I, – I'd never say I would never draft anybody again because sometimes you can get a steal in the right place. But I don't think I'll ever be drafting him because I think he gets taken well above my uh, designation of where I would put him in in my provisional ranking. So what, what you, happens sir, if, if, he, if he gets traded to the Eagles? Doesn't matter. Oh. I just I, – just, there for me is not a scenario where I can take him as high as he will go. It's just like Leonard Fournette for me. It's just a player I know for now I will never draft again because people will see the name and draft him because of, oh, well, Shady McCoy did this and he's done that. I've just seen enough now, not just in the previous years, where I just don't think I'll ever be in a position where I draft him again until he's effectively undraftable. I think the issue is with LeSean McCoy is that Buffalo offense is just not good. So there was actually five games where he had more than 10 points uh, if you use like half PPR. Okay. Um, the, the the thing that kills you are those... So he had two weeks where he scored 0.1. That's just... That's the thing that kills you. That's the thing that kills you. So, But only one um, of those was an injury. The other one was he was on for most of the game and still only got that. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I, I said at least 0.1 games, you know, he had 2.6 in week one. Then he had 3.4 in week 16. You know, these, these are, these kill you. And, you know, when, when, when I'm talking about consistency, if you, you know, you ever see me talking about consistency, I, I apply um, a formula of working out a player's average score per, per um, season and also standard deviation. Do standard deviation over the average. That will tell you how consistent they are, like how how wildly are their outcomes compared to the average outcome that they have. Um, and essentially, the lower the number, the more consistent they are. And Lashawn McCoy is around about twenty percent consistent. So his averages uh, from this doesn't really take into account fumbles. His average was um, seven point eight, and his standard deviation was six point three. So that's a huge percentage. So he's just basically, he's killing you or he's doing okay. There's no, nothing in between. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what you just want to avoid. Yeah. Especially at a running back position. 
and now it's it's getting more filled and there's better players coming in. Yeah, for me, that's it. He's uh, he's out of my life. I've moved on from Shady McCoy. So over to you, uh, Rich. Your final so, award. So mine mine sounds stunning because it's the Vince Lombardi Award, and that is you know I don't know if you've ever heard it, but that famous quote when he's on the sideline, "What the hell is going on here?" Uh, so the winner of that is uh, Apley of Green Bay Packer, and that's Aaron Rodgers. It's just it just wasn't an Aaron Rodgers season, really, was it? That's that's the issue that um, that I had as a Packers fan, and also I didn't. Well, I say as a fantasy, you know, I didn't have him in any leagues. But to finish someone like that, finish you know as a QB nine in most leagues, um, that's not not really where you drafted him to be. And at that point, you start talking about streamers, really. I think he bounces back next year, but I just want to give him a shout out. Say you, you, you know, you killed a lot of fancy teams this year. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. So uh, a worthy winner for sure. Right, finish it off. Bring it on home, Stocksy. What are you uh, coming up with? Right, bear with me, Rush Nation. This could take a while. So this award is the tonight, Michael. I'm going to be a possible future bell cow. Three down, gadget, Swiss Army knife, catch everything in my best new Cotton's impression. Do it all, running back award. And I'm giving this to Elijah Maguire. Now, I know what you're all thinking. What the devil's going on here? Uh, this is namely because I plugged him in, in in week 14 to my dynasty lineup after he came back from coming off the IR. And he scored 14 for 15.8 points in PPR. Then in week 15, he scored 12. Then in week 16, he scored 22. So as a, as a playoff, running back three flex, he did you all right. I think the Jets' offense is going to be better next year going forward. I think Elijah Maguire would have been their, their running back over Isaiah Crowell this year, but injury prevented that in the preseason. I think they like, they like him, and he looks good. So, you know, there's other running backs out there who are more talented, and, but I, I think Elijah Maguire could be a draft steal next year, and he's young, the Jets like him, and the Jets will improve. They can't be a draft steal now you're giving him a rush. He immediately jumps 30 places up the board. Yeah, but not everyone will listen to this. So, <laughs> what are you saying? Everyone listens to this. No, but everybody who listens to this, he'll jump up the board. But as Rush Nation is only small at the moment, then that this would actually be a real good low tip going into draft season next year because only the hardcore Rush Nation will have heard this. Okay. So, Elijah Maguire, congratulations. You are a Rushy winner. Nice. Oh, that felt like a mouthful all in one go. I don't know. There's a lot to take in. There's a lot of worthy winners tonight. I think every... Every person that's walked away with a rushy should feel really proud of themselves to have achieved the standard of recognition. We vet these candidates rigorously, yep. put through massive testing, and sixteen come weeks. Out, yeah, sixteen weeks, all data analysis. We've gone through a lot of it tonight. I think if you have, you know, picked up a rushy or even been nominated, it's just you know, it should be a pleasure just to be nominated for one, but to win it. That is something else. And I tell you what, it'll be fiercely contested next year for the second annual Rushies. And will those who won this year hold on to their trophy for another year? There's a chance a couple could. I'd like, I think we should give out one more Rushie. All right. I think we should give uh, a Rushie to Rich for being a returning guest. Yeah. So, Rich, congratulations. You are probably the most likely to actually receive anything owner of a Rushie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll crack open a beer later to celebrate that. Yeah, you're an illustrious company. There's only, you know, 20, 25 players or so that have been... I mean, when you look when you look at the names that, are, you know, that have won one. So, you know, I'm, I'm in an elite company. You know, I've got Patrick Mahomes, Gurley, you know, Kittle. And then, you know, if I just want to feel good about myself, I just look at, you know, Noodle Arm Bortles and go, hi, oh, life's good. Noodle <laughs> He's everything Noodle. Jags are rapidly becoming an entire army of noodles. Yeah. It's like the terracotta army just worse. <laughs> I love it. I just, um, I'm not a big Jags fan. And even if they come to London, I'll try and embrace it a bit more. So <laughs> just a touch. Well, you're going to have to. But yeah, yeah I, think, I think you're a worthy winner. I would put you more towards the Patrick Mahomes scale than the Blake Borsels and Fournette scale. So oh, much appreciated. Thank you. Well, no, we appreciate you coming on and, and doing this with us. Uh, give everybody a shout out as to where they can interact and, and find you if they haven't already. So you can find me on Twitter at RichKingFF. Um, yeah, reach out if you have any questions. If you just want to 
just chat some fancy or just NFL or whatever, then just, yeah, reach out. Love it. Awesome. All right. Cheers, Kiggy. Take care. Speak soon, buddy. And looking forward to the article when it comes out to be convinced. <laughs> okay. Speak soon. All right. Cheers. Take care, mate. Cheers. With that, Rush Nation, they were your 2018 slash 2019 rushies. Hope you enjoyed it as much as Rich did because he won one. But until next week, Rush Nation, keep rushing. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PREP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.